podcast that helps you return to yourself and to your desires so you can live the exact life you want. This is for you if you're ready to make major changes in your career, in your relationships, or within yourself. While I am a therapist, this is not a substitute for going to therapy. Before we get into the episode, a quick intro about our guest. I'm thrilled to welcome Molly Zive to the podcast. Molly is a fellow licensed therapist and an entrepreneur and a dear friend of mine and a fellow projector in human design. And you're going to hear Molly sharing about how to live that authentic life. And she has such a unique perspective, both from her work backgrounds, working in various settings as a social worker, like the prison system and psychiatric units, but also in the modalities that she combines in her work, like brain spotting, like family systems theories, and ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So without further ado, here's Molly, and here's the episode. Oh my goodness, I am super excited to have you Welcome to Return a Podcast, Molly's Eye. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. We've known each other for a couple of years now, which is wild to even think that it's been that long. But I know. I would love to hear from your perspective. How would you describe not only the work that you're doing now, but also just your general outlook on life? Because something I've appreciated about our connection is the questions that you ask yourself, the way that you see things. And so I would love to, yeah, hear more about how you view that. That you always have this ability to make me feel so seen. So thank you. I just wanted to receive that and just reflect that back to you. Thank you for for all of that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really crazy. We've known each other for a couple of years and we've both evolved so much that I imagine I was thinking about that this morning before we hopped on here. I'm like, wow, like you've really, you've seen me sort of evolve into who I am now. And I've watched you evolve into who you are now. And I just feel like I'm not that same person a couple of years ago. So really fun. This is, I, and I would love to like hear your perspective because you definitely met Molly before psychedelics. And now I I am a psychedelic assisted therapist. So I just feel like I'm still like the same person, obviously, but I feel a lot more expressed and more like authentic and comfortable with who I am. Yeah. Which is obviously part of the reason why I wanted to have you on for this specific episode, because it's been such a joy and a a privilege to watch that journey unfold for you. Mm -hmm. And I remember we met in like a coaching container for therapists Mm -hmm. and part of the initial like work you were doing when we were talking about ideal clients was helping clients find their authenticity and alignment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Am I, is that like a correct memory? That is a very correct memory. And thank you for like almost reminding me because I feel like I, again, like so many things have changed. I forgot what that was like, but you're right. Like when you brought up this topic of authenticity, it's like, I freaking love that work, especially when I see my clients live in their authentic truth and not living for anyone else, but who they are. So I just find it like a true blessing and it, and it almost 
almost helps me keep going. And like that expansion of wanting to continue to be who I am because I watch other people live in their truth. And I think it's really amazing. It is super amazing because what happens inside of you when you watch someone do that? Like whether it's a client or someone in your own personal life. I mean, even just talking to you before we hit record, like hearing just you be you and super authentic. And like, I love every part of you. (laughs) So it's love fest over here. It just, it literally makes my heart grow even more. Like I'm like, Mm. this is life, right? Like this is humanity. Like we don't always have to live in this like suffering and sadness and polarization and political warfare. And like, of course, all those things exist. I'm not bypassing that by any means. But when I see people living in their like authentic truth, I'm like, this is why I'm alive. Like I can burst with so much excitement. And I don't know if other people experience that, but that's how I experience it. It is so rad to see people just like be their full selves. I think it's really cool. It is. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. It is really amazing to see. And energetically, I know something definitely happens in me too. It's almost like that joy or that expansion or that whatever it is, is contagious to us. Like we can feel it. It's Mm -hmm. when someone's moving towards alignment continues to move towards that authenticity for themselves. And it's amazing to see. I think it also, for me personally, I know certainly our friendship gives me courage to like take that next step in that authentic journey and that next step. And I think the more people that are living a life that is truly aligned for them, truly authentic for them, it inspires other people to do the same. And I think it's a very optimistic, almost naive part of me, but I don't care because I'm a Sagittarius rising and I will forever love that Mm -hmm. aspect. But it's like, then if more people are doing that, it becomes more, you know, it just Mm -hmm. feels like it could be this thing. I know this sounds so woo-woo right now too, but just bear with me. It feels like it could be spreading to more and more Mm -hmm. people and more people will be, not living in that, like, I have to do this job and I'm miserable Mm -hmm. and I don't like my partner and Mm -hmm. I'm just living a life that's not even mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the matrix, like, why are you in this matrix that doesn't even make sense for you? It, and getting out of that and yeah, inspiring other people to get out of it. I don't think that's woo woo. I think, you know, like, and you, you tapped into something I think is really important is like, I think that in this field in the mental health field, like we have to be hopeful. Like I shouldn't be a therapist or I shouldn't be a social worker if I'm not hopeful. And there's definitely, and I'm sure you've come across them too. There's people in this field that aren't, they're very pessimistic and very not hopeful. And then you kind of see it trickle down to their clients and like, wow, like what would that be like if, you know, you, you had a provider that was, you know, a little bit more hopeful and a little bit more joyful about life. Not to say that life isn't really extremely hard and there's a lot of suffering in our individual lives. But again, like I shouldn't be in this business unless I, unless I am hopeful in those times that I do get burnt out or those times that I do feel really depressed, I have to go within and really just just work on myself and my inner voice and all of that, because it's not fair to my clients. Like at the end of the day, I am human, but it's like, okay, how can I shift this to be beneficial, not only for myself, but the people that I'm working with? A hundred percent. It's sort of that both and space. Mm -hmm. 
how then do you put into words, if possible, your outlook on life sort of mm-hmm. now? Because we also talk, I want to talk about psychedelics and psychedelic mm-hmm. assisted therapy, which you do. And it sounds like that's contributed to some of this outlook. So mm-hmm. how would you describe that if you could? <laughs> I know it's more like a feeling than a description, but. Yeah, I think it's a lot of lessons and I think it's a lot of taking from other people. I, you know, I went to my training in ketamine assisted psychotherapy last year and my trainers were all very different, but they were all super authentic to who they are. And I think that that kind of helped me pull out my outlook. And it wasn't, I think now my outlook has really shifted after I did psychedelics, specifically in my first ketamine journey in that training was yeah. the the thing that came to me almost immediately was like my seven-year-old self mm-hmm. and how much I've been neglecting her and mm-hmm. how how much I trusted her when she came up for me in my journey. And I was like, wow, like, why am I not listening to this little part of me that just seems so authentic and so like clued in on what's important to her? So I think that that really shifted my outlook. And um, now I live very fiercely for her and I'm very protective of her. Um, So that to have that visual and to have that experience and kind of like we were co-conspiring together on this journey and just like how in love I was with her. Mm. I think that I've, um, I've often pushed her down and I've often suppressed her and I've often like wanted to fit in or like live my life the way that other people, or I thought other people wanted me to live my life. And this gave me permission to really unfold into the person that I wanted to be. Wow. When you describe that, it's so powerful because I feel like it's so relatable for so many people and maybe not that like specific experience, Mm -hmm. but the general realization that we're neglecting parts of us that hold such like incredible wisdom. And I think about me at seven, like I was full of joy Mm -hmm. and fun. And like, I used to like to sit in the street and crack open rocks to just see Mm -hmm. what was inside. And (laughs) make mud pies and like play with the boys at school and play sports and play football at recess. And I didn't, I wasn't worried about what people thought of that. Mm -hmm. It was just like this really beautiful, innate following of like Mm -hmm. what I felt called to do. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way we get conditioned and all of these things and we lose that intuition I don't know what we would call it we lose that like sense Mm -hmm. of just us-ness I suppose totally yeah and like that I I don't want it to come across as like that happened and then my life was immediately like amazing or like I, I fully lived in that it takes a lot of integration and a lot of unconditioning of the people pleasing. And, and it it was a lot, a lot of work. It's not like I'm just doing psychedelics and then I'm like, life's great. Let's keep going. (laughs) It's like, no, you got to hunker down. And I think integration is if, if not more important, just as important as like the actual, like working with the medicine. That said, thank you for saying that, because I think this is the biggest misconception about any inner work that we do Mm -hmm. is we just think like, oh, okay, cool. I know the seven-year-old part of me now and like, boom, life's going to be magical and great and 
that is truly only in the beginning, right? Because we still have all of these other parts that learned to stay safe by Mm -hmm. pleasing other people Mm -hmm. that learn to stay safe. And they're not just going to be like, oh yeah, that's great. And we're cool now. And we just give that up. I mean, that's the whole other side of that. And we wouldn't want that anyways, because that's such a helpful and supportive adaptive response when we're growing up. And we need to do the work to move through that. And like you said, integrate if you're choosing to enter that portal through psychedelics or cap, you know, therapy, or if you're choosing a different route, like however you're getting there is fine, but Mm -hmm. we've got to blend those two things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not just with psychedelics, like you said, like it's, you know, our coaching container, you know, I was really hoping that, that we did a coaching container, like mostly around our business and like going to private pay. And like, I thought my life was going to be, I was going to invest all this money and my life was going to be a certain way afterwards, but it's like, you have to continue to do the work or like a, a really amazing therapy session. It's like, okay, so now what do you do with that information? Once you are learning about it, then you have to integrate it into your life. And I have a really, really over controlling manager part. And I think she's gotten me through a lot of hard times in my life and has helped me achieve. Like I truly, you know, I don't hate her for it and I'm very successful because of her, but the, the inner dialogue is so vicious and so angry and so harmful to me and my spirit that that you know that came back online after the psychedelics and really reconciling that she's still with me but it's like how can I reassure her how can I unburden her if you're using IFS parts work but it's a constant I don't want to call it a battle but kind of like this dance that I have to do yeah that makes so much sense and you know these parts of us get in a role and they do it for a long time Mm -hmm. and they're not just gonna give that up. And we wouldn't Mm -hmm. want them to either. Like we want to bring harmony and stability to the entire system. And that's why personally, (laughs) I'm sure people are going to get sick of me talking about IFS on this podcast, but I don't care because I think that's why IFS is so powerful because it allows you to do that individual parts work, but it also looks at the Mm -hmm. system as a whole to make sure that if we want to say even that systemic integration, like that your seven-year-old part and your incredibly strong, you know, striving manager, both of them are getting what they need from Mm -hmm. this authentic, aligned, calm, Mm -hmm. we call itself an IFS, but version of you in Mm -hmm. in 2023. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what's up. Okay. We've talked a lot about authenticity and an authentic life. What does that mean to you, Molly? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think kind of going back to what I was talking about is like being fully expressed. I was talking to my husband about this. I'm like, what am I going to say about being authentic? (laughs) And he's like, you just live your life for you and you show up in the way that that feels good for you. It's he's like, it's doing what feels good. And I was like, that is true. Like just in the way that I even dress myself. I know it's it's not even like superficial, but it's like, that's the way that I express myself is like through how I dress, how I, you, you can see my home, how my home is. Like, I think 100%. that doing the things that light me up and not apologizing for it and not being like, well, what would my mom think about this? What would my dad think about this? What would society think about it? Like, I'm really not caught up 
in that anymore. I definitely was for a lot of my life. And so not being caught up in like the people pleasing much to this is the work that you're doing with people, right? Is like the yes. people pleasing. And so I think that like, yeah, doing what feels good and not worrying about what everyone else thinks is how I live authentically. A hundred percent. And I will probably post a video if it's okay with you of our conversation, because as soon as we hopped on, I was like, first of all, it's always great to see you. But second of all, I was like, Ma, you're bringing me so much joy between like the joyful colors in your shirt to the amazing neon sign you have to the like collection behind, like everything just screams to me, this is you and this is who you are. And this is how you're showing up in the world. And I love the unapologeticness of it because I Mm -hmm. think as well particularly for folks who have been socialized as women Mm -hmm. there's like a shrinking Mm -hmm. apologizing well if you're the if you're too assertive then you're a you know Mm -hmm. there's all of these like situations that set us up not to win and to not just show up in the way that we want to and Mm -hmm. I think you like visually even is Mm -hmm. such a good example of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a huge representation of what my inner world is sort of like, which is very rich and and artistic and all of these different things. And so if I can express that in any sort of way and people get a little bit of a glimpse of like who I am as a person on a snap judgment, I think that's really cool. And I think that, you know, as we're talking about it, it takes a lot of courage to live your life authentically for you. That's right. I don't want to bypass that that's not difficult and that, you know, again, like these things don't, didn't happen for me overnight. I had to do a lot of failing in different roles that I thought I needed to be in. For example, like in college, I partied a lot and I thought that that's what everyone was supposed to do. I thought, you know, going to clubs or whatever, and it wasn't, and I kept failing at it. And by failing at it, I mean, like it just, I would wake up the next day and feel really horrible. And then I'd do it again and again and again. And finally I realized like, I don't have to wear this mask anymore. So that's just a little example, but like, I feel like I had to fail a lot in these roles that I thought I needed to be at certain times in my life. I think the college thing is such a great example. I was having this conversation with my partner who's not from the US, didn't go to like a traditional quote unquote college. And just the like expectation, you know, that it mm-hmm. would be so strange if you went to college and didn't indulge in some kind of partying or exploration, like mm-hmm. some kind of that, anything, even attending the parties, you know, that's what's fun and that's what's happening. And it makes so much sense that we would think, especially at that young age, that this is what we should be doing. And there's no part of us that's like, well, do I actually want Mm -hmm. to do this? Like, do I like waking up hungover Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. which obviously nobody likes that. But um, yeah, but it doesn't even seem like there's a choice in that. Or I didn't feel like there's a choice. And I live my life sober. I've been over a year sober. And like, I, this is the way that I'm choosing to live my life now. And I'm so thankful and blessed that I made that choice for myself. And it just feels really healthy. And I wish I had that opportunity or gave myself that permission years ago. So, you know, I just feel sorry for that, like college version of me. Totally. It sounds like if you could go back in time and I don't want to put words in your mouth. So if this doesn't feel aligned, please edit. But I'm imagining if you could go back in time, you would want to hand her a permission slip and just mm-hmm. be like, Hey, if this doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. 
that's I love, accurate. I love your husband's definition too of like, it's doing what feels good for you. Like That mm-hmm. is so true, right? It's mm-hmm. moving into that authenticity is really just about doing what feels good for us in that mm-hmm. moment and not mm-hmm. have having the courage to help the parts of us that have a reaction to that or a concern about how other people will respond to that Mm -hmm. and letting them know that it's still going to be okay. Like we Mm -hmm. can choose to not, you know, drink or do drugs or whatever, do Mm -hmm. whatever, or we can choose to do whatever. And that feels like alignment in this Mm -hmm. moment. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And it feels safe. I think like whenever I I'm with providers who like my therapist is very authentic, like I feel safe in it. Like I never question her honesty or authenticity or feedback. And I feel like a lot of my clients have given me that same sort of feedback. Not that I'm on Jeannie's level, God bless her. But like, (laughs) you know, when people know where I stand and where I'm at and that like I show up and I'm like, Hey, like I'm not coming in and telling you how to live your life. I'm just that container that shows you how to unfold. And I can partially do that by just being myself. I think that that's really transmuted my work as a clinician. Oh, a thousand percent. I still go to supervision. I talk about this very openly. One, because I'm obsessed with my supervisor, but two, I think it makes me a better therapist to be able to work with my parts. I see an IFS supervisor, but half the time we are just doing like whatever feels authentic. And she's so authentic in that space. It lets me be authentic and mm-hmm. lets me be honest and be like, ah, this is going on for me, even sometimes personally. And I think we need that to be able to keep growing as a person. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is something so reciprocal about that in mm-hmm. healing containers. So yeah, it's, it's almost like unconditional. It's like that unconditional parent that we needed, but yes. we didn't always have. And so like therapy is a lot of reparenting. I see it as. And so I just find it very nurturing to show up in that way versus how I learned in grad school to be like this blank slate therapist <laughs> and don't show them anything. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I, know just, like, I can't even contain my stopping. response there. It makes me laugh so much. It's like, it's just ridiculous. It's sort of the message is like, don't be a human, just be a, I don't know. I don't know, a blank wall for someone to just talk at. I don't know what the expectations were and like why that was the messaging when we are in grad school. And Mm -hmm. I doubt it's changed, but I'm hopeful that maybe it will. I think it is changed a little bit. I did clinical Good. supervision the last couple of years in, in the, the in them in school. And, and I think also the way I, I conducted supervision was very like self as a therapist. Like obviously we're not self-disclosing a lot, but I think it's important to recognize the self in the room when working with our clients. And I wasn't given that sort of guidance as a young baby social worker. No, not at all. Oh my goodness. It's so true. <laughs> what do you think has helped you personally move into this state of living a really authentic life? Like, mm-hmm. are there steps that you followed? I, and listen, I know that I'm asking you to distill something that's so hard mm-hmm. to distill. This is the thing. And I want everyone to know about inner work is it's not a like, I read this book and then I did these three things and then mm-hmm. I was magically you know, here, I think it's so many things, but if you could reflect on what's helped, what Mm -hmm. would you say? So immediately drugs. And I'm I'm not the first person to say, like, I think that people need to 
um, be conscious of if that makes sense for them. But for me, it was drugs. And even that's like, I wouldn't have said that a year ago, like right before my training, a family member of mine sort of like condemned me for doing this work. And Mm -hmm. I took it very personally. And so but the the psychedelics have really helped me get out of the default mode network of like the constant anxiety. That's the way my brain is wired is like the constant yeah. survival anxiety mode and kind of like get into the space of looking at my life a little bit differently and zooming out. And some people don't need psychedelics, right? Like I also think that brain spotting helped me getting trained in brain spotting. I think all the things that I'm embodying as a clinician, I had to do the experientials first and and kind of like, hey, this has helped heal me, whether or not this makes sense for you, that's up to you, but I'm going to offer that now because I know the, the life-changing work that it's done for me. But I think that like on a non-therapy clinical level, like what has helped me, I think failing, like I said, I think being so tired and wanting to give up on this version of myself that I thought I needed to be really helped me be who I am today. And that's, mm. that's not fun. You know, it's like really messy and it's really, you know, I think I wore a cloak of depression and anxiety for a lot of my youth because I was living in that way. Yes. Wow. All of that is so well said. It's really about finding what works for you mm-hmm. and listening to that and trying things, you know, mm-hmm brain spotting. I'm not trained in it. So maybe someday I will. I remember we did a brain spotting Mm -hmm. session together that you led and it was so powerful and incredible. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate you, Molly, for how much you, you're going to do the work first. You're going to experiment. You're going to try it. You're going to see. And then you let people know it's not, it really feels like it's coming from an embodied place rather than like, well, I did this training and that's it. And uh, now I know <laughs> The research shows, yeah. It's like, I don't want to, yeah. that. But that's shifted a lot. And that it goes back to like being authentic as a clinician and as a human being is like, yeah, we learned all these interventions in school. Not that they're bad, good, bad or whatever, but it's like, yeah, once you fully embody them, once you fully try them yourself and experiment with them, it's kind of hard to like shut that door or like go back, you know? Absolutely. I can't. I can't even, even if I like walked away, closed my therapy practice, wasn't practicing IFS anymore. It's like, I can't unknow it now. It's like my Mm -hmm. body, I just know these parts too well. I just couldn't, I just can't, it's like you, they're there. It's just there. And something else I really appreciated that you said was that letting yourself fail and really noticing like, whoa, in that situation, I was wearing this cloak and Mm -hmm. really getting to the bottom of why. It sounds Mm -hmm. like for you, the why was around not being authentic, like living Mm -hmm. a life that was totally misaligned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can so relate to that from career-wise to different relationships I've had. And that's the thing that I think if you're listening, I really want people to know is you actually do know it and Mm -hmm. your body and your mind and your spirit are giving you information Mm -hmm. and feedback about how this isn't working, whether it's through an anxious part or through parts that feel more down and depressed or through anger, through whatever, 
you're getting information about how it isn't working. Mm -hmm. And it's slowing down enough to listen to that. And that's still something that I work on, you know, like intuition versus anxiety and talking to like-minded people like yourself. Like, I know I can come to you without any judgment and say like, Hey, this is what's coming up for me. And you'll, you'll hold space for that and having friends and people in my life that do that. And I just wanted to like, also, I got a download while we were, while you were talking. Thank you for like, yes. Thank you for letting me channel. (laughs) No, I think another big part of my outlook is there is literally no one else like you on this planet. Like there's Mm. no one else with your signature. There's no one else that does the things that you do, that thinks the way that you do, that wears the clothes that you do. So in a lot of ways, like that is really empowering and inspiring to me. And in a lot of ways, it gives us, you know, it's less pressure because there are so many of us, you know, like we are these like unique beings, but like our little worlds are not not important. Like I hate hate to say that out loud. It's important to us as an individual, but if you zoom out, like, you know, if you make a mistake, it's not going to be the end of the world. And there's so many other people out there and so many different things and lessons you can learn. So I, I don't know if that's a little too psychedelic, but like really zooming out and like being like, there's no one else like you. So you might as well just be who you want to be and, and trust that it's going to be okay. I feel like that's such, both of those downloads are such great points because there isn't anyone else like you. So like, how can you even mess up? Like you're, Mm -hmm. there's no other Mm -mm. roadmap you need to be paying attention Mm -mm. to because it's just you Mm -hmm. doing your thing, wearing the clothes that you're wearing in your different eras and your different versions of yourself. And you're going to change and evolve too. And that's great. And it's awesome. And I think that's the coolest part about life is like, I can't wait to see who I'm going to be next year, Mm -hmm. the year after that, and what changes and shifts for me. And also, yeah, like taking that pressure away of it's not, it's also not that deep or it's not that serious. Like (laughs) one mistake that we make could actually be this really big thing. I think about, um, I really wanted to work in sports and I wanted to be an ESPN sports anchor for a while. And then after getting my undergrad, I wanted to work in sports marketing and I wanted to get an NBA in like sports marketing and do all this stuff. And like, I had these visions of me traveling the world and doing this. And now that I'm saying this, I would have been so miserable in that. Mm -hmm. Like I love sports, but it's, I'm not meant to like work in it. And I failed part of the NBA exam. It's really hard. And I'm not a great test taker. I know that I'm crazy intelligent, but I didn't do well on this portion of the test. Mm-hmm. And Molly, it felt like I, even now I have a part that's like, oh my gosh, why did you tell that? Why mm. did you admit that? But it's mm. so important because had I not failed that, I wouldn't have had any other curious, like I would have stayed on this path mm-hmm. that wasn't in alignment. And mm-hmm. it was the best thing that happened to me failing mm-hmm. that test, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, they what just, is the, yeah. what are those tests anyway? They're so silly. They don't really measure anyways. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and like sharing that part of you. Cause I think it's really important because we look at you and you seem so successful and you, you, I mean, you are successful, but you wouldn't know that there's like that. Yeah. That insecure part or whatever you want to call it. That's like, Oh, I failed this exam, but I think it was like a, a detour, right? Like it's like a detour totally. into who you, 
truly are. And yeah, I think living downtown for me also helps me be like, there's so many people around me and they're all living their own individual life. And there's something really comforting in that, knowing that I'm not alone. And it's not like, you know, the small town that everyone knows who everyone, you know, like, it's like, I can kind of get lost in the shuffle and like trust that everyone else is living their lives. And yeah, I just wanted to like touch on that as I'm looking at these big high rise buildings. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That, that, you have such a great visual reminder of how many people are there every day. You get to see like, wow, there are all of these people mm-hmm. that are doing their own individual thing. And I think it, it for me at least, there is freedom in that. It's like freeing to know like actually no one has like a spotlight on you, Caitlin, and no mm-hmm. one is going to be mm-hmm. like, oh, remember when you failed that test and that I'm not going to work with you now because you failed. Like that's <laughs> just not going to happen, you know? But it, I don't mean some parts of me feel that way sometimes. And that's yeah. the part that we have. And to it's work. so validating. I mean, it's a hard, but it's like also, again, information there, right? Like, what yes. do you do with that information? What do you do when that shows up? And, you know, what it, what happens when a client comes to you and fails something and, you know, like, and how, how can you reassure them or and help them kind of guide that path to get them on the other side of like, you're not a complete failure. Because you're not. It's Mm -hmm. one thing that happened, like one test that I took at 22 or 23 has like, it literally means nothing now. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't even take it again. I'm sure I would have done totally fine. Mm -hmm. But it's important to just realize that. Okay. So you have this great perspective. You have all of this wisdom to someone out there who's listening, who's like a little bit behind your own journey and they're feeling misaligned in life, what would you say to them or what do you feel like they could do? Like, where would they start? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. I think it's going inward and like really mm-hmm. listening to yourself. And it sounds like so easy. Like, just listen to yourself, bro. No, but like really just paying attention. It. Yeah. Just like feel good about it. No, <laughs> but like listening to yourself and like even like just that mindfulness, right? Like, I think we aren't very mindful, like, you know, even from the things that we eat or we put in our body or what's yes. nourishing us or committing to, you know, these social events or people that we're surrounding ourselves with, like really paying attention, like, is that aligned for me? Like, is that good for my nervous system is, Mm. you know, in this past week, I've been sort of like in this crisis mode and my body is like not sleeping. It's not eating very well. It's in this like anxious, like crisis mode and slowing down enough to be like, okay, what's really going on here? And how can I um, take stake of this and reevaluate that? So journaling is a really big um, tool that I use and kind of getting out of my head. Also listening to a lot of Ram Dass. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I love him so much. So I listen to a lot of his talks on Spotify, or I'm sure you can get it anywhere and just listening like the reminders of getting out of my head and into my heart is really, really important. I think that we, a lot of us live from like the neck up and the more I can do yoga or practice getting in my body or, or spending time with people that make me laugh really hard. I think that those are the ways that I try to focus on embodying the person that I want to be. I love that. It's so true. And it is rewarded in our society to like cut off the connection to your body and think from this part up. It's 
we learn it in school. We, it's like reinforced in the working world. It's how we connect with a lot of people in like a very verbal, you know, success driven kind of a way. And all of those tools that you just listed are such beautiful examples of going inward, but in a way that reconnects you to your heart. I love the way that you said that of yeah, getting out of your head and moving into your heart because your body has so much wisdom mm-hmm. in it. It's going to give you such great feedback and information. And something I really appreciated you sharing just now is, yeah, there will be times when your body will be telling you like, whoa, this week we've been a little bit outside of you know where we typically are mm-hmm. and that's impacting this and this and this. And that's going to happen to us as humans. I was sharing with you a travel experience Mm -hmm. I had recently that just like did that to my nervous system because Mm -hmm. of delayed and canceled flights and all of those things that will happen. So then what's the next thing we do? Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like your advice is to go inward and you listed a whole bunch of tools that people can use to Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that destabilization is such a bad thing. I think that every time I'm destabilized uh, mentally or, you know, physically nervous system or something happens in my life, I somehow become more confident. And like the things I was anxious about a month ago, it, it passed, you know, like it's all about letting life sort of flow through us. That's the biggest lesson that I'm learning in in the most recent history of my inner journey is like letting life just flow through me and not resisting it or not trying to control it. And so I just felt like that was important to share. Yeah. It's so important. That's so beautiful because life is going to life. And I think Mm -hmm. this is for anyone listening, like if you're taking notes or you're sort of like driving and thinking and daydreaming as I often do when I listen to podcasts, this is a really important point. I think at least younger versions of me had an expectation that someday I would just be like very enlightened and <laughs> ever be in a like deregulated state. And mm-hmm. that's not actual reality. No. What is reality is like, okay, what am I doing? What are we doing with that information? And how are we just going to sort of reset and be like, oh, okay, cool. So that we can can continue to evolve. And as mm-hmm. you were sharing, like flow more with what's happening in life mm-hmm. rather than resisting it. Because if we're deregulated, destabilized, and then we're also like resisting, resisting, mm-hmm. then you're fighting two battles instead of just one. <laughs> Totally. And like what I appreciate about you saying is earlier you said something around like, I'm excited to see where I am like a year from now, two years from now. I think I've always been really scared of that. So to hear you say it is like very given another permission slip of like, it's okay to not know. And I think my therapy has helped me with that. And like when I stopped drinking, my therapist was like, it's like turning a corner, you know, like to Mm -hmm. me, it was like, I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to lose like who I am and my identity and da, 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 da. Where am I going to be a year from now? And it's like, okay, AA, like the number one thing is one day at a time, right? Like, and just turning the corner. And I think that you live that so well. And it is very inspiring to know that like, it's okay to not know where I am a year from now, you know? Yeah, I I kind of think it's exciting, but that's not <laughs> to say that I don't have anxious parts as well that want to control or predict or plan it. Mm-hmm. It's just that I've like sat with them and listened to them and been like, yeah, okay, makes sense that you'd feel that way, but let's just like mm-hmm. I've got this. Let's just wait and 
wait and see what happens. Cause it could be like beyond my wildest dreams or it could, life could be like really challenging, but either way I'll figure it out. And Mm -hmm. that feels great. And I would not have been in that space without, yeah, IFS and a lot of the inner work to get there. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that's a hard place to just be like, Oh, okay. Whatever happens. Like that's especially for some more of my anxious parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh, Molly, I could talk to you forever and ever. I do have another question. If you could whisper something in your younger self's ear, like what would you say to her? Oh my gosh. Another really good question. Oh my, you, you need to be a podcast host. That's all I got to say. Okay. If I could whisper something, I'm I'm going inside and I'm thinking of a version of myself. Yeah, any version. Yeah, I I see a lot of my undergrad and grad school self being mm-hmm. so unsure of life, yeah. and it was kind of to your point of like that self trust, and things are going to work out better than you can ever imagine. I think that's what I would say to her: is just be like, "Hey, I'm from the future. It's legit. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. <laughs> you don't have to stress out so much." <laughs> I love that because it's so true. It's like, I think about those versions of me too. And like, dang, that, that version of me was so worried. Will I be a good therapist? Mm -hmm. Will I be the, will I be the, Mm -hmm. like, will I be this? And I love when I'm feeling particularly anxious, like, and my parts are like, what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? that question of, I don't, I wish I could give credit to like whomever created this, but that question of what if it went right? You know, Mm -hmm. what if it was like even more amazing than Mm -hmm. what you think it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what's happened for me in my life. Like the thing. Yeah. Well, I was talking about it with my husband the other day. I was like, did you ever think you'd be married? And now we have four cats. Like we're just like living our best life. But that then that's cool for us, right? Like I understand like the judgment even coming out like four cats. Like, but you know, like I never would have predicted this in high school that I when I thought I was so unlovable and unworthy. And now I have, you know, the partner of my dreams and the cutest cats in the world and living Your cats are yeah. very cute. <laughs> <laughs> living my best life, you know. So I I just I I wish that my younger self could see that and you know, there would be way less stress and way less efforting and all of the things. Yeah. It, and to just send love to those parts, like it is difficult mm-hmm. to stay in that state of trust. Like it's, it's hard work to mm-hmm. keep coming back there and you can do it. And I think you're living proof of how you can do that, how you can live an authentic life. I think finding the partner of your dreams and having four cats and living, you know, downtown where you live and just looking at, it's like, this is it. This is the proof of that. You've Mm -hmm. asked yourself, what does this mean for me? What kind of life feels good to me? Mm -hmm. Then you've had the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it feels really good. That's like my life advice for anyone out there. I'm like, just do it feels good. Right. But it's it, it, may, it may not happen overnight, but it's like that's the gift of manifestation, right? Is like putting our intentions out there and holding the vision for ourselves. And maybe the vision changes and shifts, but just entrusting the process. And like I'm a really big manifestation person. So like I'm writing my monthly goals of like what I want to see happen. And it's so cool to like 
not that you need to be checking things off your list, but it's so cool to see like what has actually manifested and, and most things do when you align to it, which is really, really special and could probably be a whole nother podcast episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, as you were talking, I was like, wait a second. I have like so many questions about <laughs> how you do it and what, ha- like all of yeah. this. Read the secret, right? Read the, watch the secret, listen to Abraham Hicks. Those are all the things, you know, but yeah, I think, I think it's really holding that vision for yourself is really important. Absolutely. We're probably going to have to have you back, especially about manifestation. I feel very clueless when it comes to manifestation, honestly, but that's another thing for another day. Molly, is there anything else you would say about authenticity, living an authentic life, alignment, expansion, any of those amazing words? Yeah. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And and what comes up for me as you're talking about it is the importance of relationship, having someone and some people in your life really reflect it back to you. And I think that there was a lot of parts of me that was really guarded and really scared. And the more I open myself up to people, especially people that feel good for me and are aligned with me, the the more I'm able to be my authentic self. So I just want to give thanks, deep gratitude for relationship, my relationship with you and that connection piece, because I think we really do have to heal in relationships. I think that that's why therapy is so important, for example, is like that relationship is what keeps the client moving forward and keeps them feeling safe and and helps, you know, bring up other things and things like that. And so I think we live in such an individualistic world with capitalism that we think we have to, you know, hunker down and like, (laughs) we got this right. And the, 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 just the pure joy of like, we're, we're just here on earth as humans to connect. So I just want to give light to like those connections and relationship is like, you can do in a work until the sun goes down, that's great. But like, if you don't have those solid people in your life and those relationships, what does it all mean? I guess is my question. Yeah. It's such a good point because then you're just like reading all of the books or doing all Mm -hmm. of the things in isolation and you're not learning how you show up in connection. And I think for me, and likewise, so much gratitude for this relationship it gives me courage then, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. then take a risk over here and take a next step over here. And I think that's the magical thing, whether it's that therapeutic relationship or a friendship or an aligned partnership. And I found that when my life was not authentic or out of alignment, so were my relationships. So mm-hmm. it's so good to to really show that. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your wisdom and your beautiful energy and all of your thoughts on this and just, yeah, your life story with everyone so that they can take little nuggets and start to apply that to themselves. So thank you so much for being here today. It's been a true joy. Thank you so much for having me. I've gotten so much out of our conversation and I hope that your listeners also resonate with something that we've said today too. I think that they will. Okay. Take care until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Return. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And if you leave a review, five stars, I would be forever grateful.